0: Welcome to Just Quietly, a podcast where Senator Amanda Stoker has a laugh with friends and colleagues, cuts through the bull and explores the issues of the day. Let's get to the bottom of it all.
1: Hello and welcome to Just Quietly. I'm Amanda Stoker, I'm a Senator for Queensland and I'm here with the wonderful Slade Brockman who is a Senator for WA. Thank you for making some time for me. Oh, thanks very much for having me, Amanda. (laughs) We're going to talk books today but before we do, um, why are you here? What is it about making a political contribution that floats your boat?
0: Well, I think... Obviously, families had a huge impact on my political life. I grew up in a family that was very interested in politics. We uh, we lived on a family farm down in the deep southwest of Western Australia, uh, a place called Pemberton, and you know, sort of politics was the first topic of conversation in the morning and the last topic of conversation at night and sometimes the only topic of conversation <laughs> around the kitchen table. So I guess I guess that was the origin of my interest in, in politics. My, my father had a huge impact on me in that regard, but both mum and dad were very, very engaged politically.
1: That's really interesting because my upbringing was kind of the opposite of that. My parents sort of weren't politically aware, other than to the extent that the impact of politics touched their business or you know, their ability to make a living and things like that. So that explains a lot, though, about the way that when it comes to thrashing out policy issues here, I've observed that you're often the person who listens to what everyone else has got to say and then at the very end cuts through all the different perspectives and encapsulates it all in like a one gem answer that – is able to make everybody happy. It's, it's a real gift you've got that I think is uh, something special.
0: Oh, well, thank you very much. I think uh, I think one of the things about farming and the farming community is that farmers do have a lot of time on their hands. People who live in the bush have a lot of time on their hands to think about issues, about ideas, um, to process them and to spend that time processing them. I think I think part of the problem of the modern political environment is a lot of people just want to... Shoot from the hip, not process an idea, not take the time to quietly think about things, which is very important.
1: Well, uh, you're on just quietly, so that suits you rather well. (laughs) We're going to talk about um, formative political books. We had um, Senator Patterson and Senator Chandler, Pato and Claire, come and uh, talk about their favourite books last um, time we got together to talk about this sort of stuff. What books have had the biggest impact on you? Look, uh, when you start talking about political books, there's probably
0: so many, particularly when you end up in a a political career. Uh, There's so many books that have had an impact on you. I guess one of the ones that I can remember from fairly early on, um, I'm pretty sure I'm right about this, that one of my sisters actually gave me this book when I was about 12 or 13. And it's uh, One Day in the Life of Ivan Denisovich, uh, Alexander Solzhenitsyn. Yep. Uh, And I think... I. Probably picked that book because uh, it is a highly political book, but it's also a book you can read on a lot of different levels, and it's a book that I think to me represented uh, different things at different stages of my life. I mean, when I first read it, when I was, as I say, twelve or thirteen, it was almost an adventure story. Yeah, uh, it, it was a story of someone who was struggling against adversity and and making the best he could. Uh, And then I think later in my teens, I probably started to recognise, you know, how it was a commentary on totalitarian government. And then probably even later still, when I reached my university years, uh, it became an exercise in showing how those sorts of governments can really uh, squash a person down to the bare necessities that... What becomes important is in life is is just you know scrabbling to get enough to eat, to to have some basic human connection, whereas really all the life has actually been uh, squeezed out of those people. All, all the richness, the the joy that people who live in a free society get to see every day, uh, is uh, is is completely removed from that existence. I, I think it's an extraordinary, powerful book. And I think it's, uh, you know, it's a short book. It's it's uh, something that's very easy to read and, and beautifully written. Uh, but it's, uh, I think, a very, very powerful book.
1: There's something special about literature that you can read several times and get different stuff from every time you do. And it's the mark of a really good writer. It's interesting, though, that um, this work contrasts, in my mind at least, a lot with his other very famous piece in the Gulag Archipelago, which as much as it is worth reading and um, in its detail and its depth um, in detailing the the nature of life in the all the horrors of the Soviet regime, it doesn't have that complexity. It doesn't seem to have the multi-layered, kind of literary quality to it. It is more like a report um, and can almost become a bit tedious for it. In a way, that's the point. The fact that you can have um, such a thick volume full of um, line after line after page after page of tedious barbarity says something about the Soviet regime. That itself is, I think, part of the point. But what you're describing is something um, a lot more interesting to read.
0: Well, and I think... It's, well, as I said, it's a, it's a, it's a very short book um, and, and a very easy book to read, even though the, the subject matter is, is confronting. Um, I think also then you add the layer of Solzhenitsyn's own story, yeah. what he went through, um, you know, the, the de-Stalinisation period in the Soviet Union, where they actually, you know, in a very brutal way, tried to come to terms with their history... Uh, is also very revealing um, of the society. So you have uh, an entwinement of the author, the story, and the history of that nation, which uh, I think has has a lot to tell us about the nature of totalitarianism and what it does to individuals, to to people. Uh, so I, I I do love that book. It's one of one of my favourites. I guess the other one I would, I would like to briefly mention is. Um, because you were tossing up, right? Well, you weren't sure up. which book to go with. My, my, my number, my number two, man, my, my equal winner would uh, <laughs> probably be, uh, though it's uh, on the ups- opposite end of the spectrum in terms of length, is uh, Caro's multi-volume uh, biography of Lyndon Baines Johnson. Isn't it wonderful? Which is an absolutely fascinating read. Uh, you know, on, on Caro's analysis, uh, there's effectively except possibly for the presidential campaigns, not an election that LBJ didn't steal. And I think that's just a, a fascinating uh, history lesson um, yeah. in, in terms of, you know, what is a bastion of democracy, the United States, but, uh, you know, the, the, the risks and the, the presence of corruption in that system and the way the system was manipulated, um, uh, it, it's uh, quite an extraordinary expose, I think, and... Uh,
1: and an amazing piece of American history. It really is and it is a really riveting read. It's not dull at any point whether you're talking about um, his life growing up in extreme poverty as one of the people who are trying to set up as um, these frontier people in the US uh, right through to when he is – Blatantly bullying, intimidating, cheating—I um, must say, when I read it, which was a while ago now, right? It was one of those books that just made me sort of wide-eyed with shock. Like, not only did they get away with that, but they had the the cheek to try that on, well, <laughs> and I, it was really quite shocking to me that at the at the US. Um, political level, I I guess it wasn't all at the presidential level, a lot of it was on his path on the way there, but they tried on some really, really dodgy stuff and got away with it.
0: Oh, look, it it was, you know, literally there was significant buying of votes. Uh, The the scene from the, um, I think it was the first book, uh, that really stuck with me was uh, he was um, a a, a late teenager at a small agricultural college and there was uh, an election for the... the, um, I guess the, the college council and he was basically stuffing ballots Yep. and the motivation to do that when really you were not fighting for any particular prize of note but that was just seemed to be you just had to win inherent yeah. in his being that that he had to win and he was pretty much willing to do whatever it took to win
1: and he did the same thing when he got to his sort of political staffers club as a um, as a junior guy in in DC, and I guess the art he continued to perfect, somewhat disturbingly, uh, through the rest of his career. Great choice.
0: Yeah, no, it's that that is a remarkable piece of uh, of history, yeah. uh, and and beautifully written, and just tells a story of of a time in American history which which was truly uh, remarkable and and very formative in the way the twentieth century actually flowed.
1: And it teaches you about everything you know, not just about the, the dirty tricks he quite readily whipped out, but everything from the way that you know telecommunications and radio licenses were issued and the way that um, the media developed and how that influenced politics it really is yeah as you say a, a really important historical piece. And then
0: uh, the, you know, the fact that it was he who, who you know, in, in taking the presidency um, following the assassination of JFK uh, who actually you know, got a lot of the civil rights legislation through parliament even though mm. he was very much and was um, part of those you know blue dog democrats part of part of the conservative wing of the democratic party who was very resistant to any uh, uh moves in that regard so it was yeah a remarkable life and a, and a remarkable piece of
1: writing highly recommended absolutely very good i am so pleased that you made time to have a chat about these important books um do you have any message for uh, either young people who are trying to make sense of um the political world or older people who are maybe just um trying to educate themselves more about this um about the value of reading the the great political books to try and help them um get a hold of it all
0: oh absolutely and and you know we we uh we live in a political environment that is, uh, you know, right around the Western world. There's this perception that democracy is under pressure. And I think we need to actually educate ourselves about that because democracy, in a sense, is always messy. And
1: yeah. we have it's to. It's meant be, to be,
0: right? It's meant to be. It's inherent in the process. And we have to constantly remind ourselves of that and remind ourselves that. Uh, History does tend to repeat, you know. Nothing, nothing is genuinely new. We we um, live in different times. We've got different technology, uh, different ways of communicating with ch- with each other. But in the end, the lessons of the past are very important to always have in your mind, particularly when you're involved in the day to day uh, argy
1: bargy of politics. I must say that um, I'm involved in this committee with the legal and constitutional affairs references. Um, committee that's looking into the nature of citizenship and um, democracy. One of its core purposes is to, is to try and understand why people seem to have this declining trust in democracy. And like the glib answer people give is, oh, well, it's because politicians behave badly. And look, occasionally that might be so, but I think there's a really big uh, causative role um, that comes from people not knowing their history. Because if you don't know your history, you don't appreciate um, that the messy sausage-making process that we have here um, that we call democracy is actually a pretty beautiful thing. And that adversarial quality, which can occasionally be irritating, is the way that we make sure uh, we don't go down a souls in its own kind of lifestyle.
0: And that's the thing. you know One of the most disturbing parts of... A- you know, political surveys is when you see uh, younger people who haven't necessarily seen a long stretch of the political process but, you know, expressing a view that they'd like to see a little bit more authoritarianism. Yeah. Now, I think that if you take a bit of a longer view, a bit of a historical view of of politics, then you would run away from that at a million miles away. You'd go,
1: that is pretty darn abhorrent. Hmm.
0: And so I think... I think it is important that uh, that people read widely. get involved. i you know no matter where you think you sit on the political spectrum, get involved. I think that's always yeah. important because talking to people, talking to people, making sure that you know you set settle your views you you bed your views down, you actually challenge yourself and challenge your own thoughts is very important.
1: yeah thank you. The last thing I will ask you before you go is um and i I'm, I'm quickly developing a tradition here. A music question. So, Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> what was the first album you ever bought? Well, that, that's... Uh, it's, it's very pretty, revealing, pretty much, this question. Pretty
0: much every musical question you would ask would be deeply embarrassing, mostly because uh, most of them would have no answer. Uh, and it's not just this job that I don't get a chance to listen to music. It's uh, I'm much more likely to be listening to a... Uh, a podcast on economics that I am to be listening to music, uh, sad to say, Uh, the first album I ever bought was uh, around 1976 or 1977. I pestered my parents into buying me The Little River Band. I can't remember the the name of the album. That probably is absolutely meaningless to uh, probably everyone under 40. (laughs) But uh, 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 John Farnham, uh, uh, Leo Shorrick, I think. Um, But uh, yes, it's uh, a little piece of Australian uh, history. I'm sure if you uh, went onto YouTube and looked up Little River Band, you would find something.
1: (laughs) Hey, look, the 70s were a music goldmine. So it's a good answer. Um, What are you listening to as an economics podcast?
0: Uh, Goodness me, I I listen to a few different ones probably
1: um well here's a fun one um for people who don't have a lot of background in economics the Freakonomics podcast is a bit of fun
0: I do listen to Freakonomics um sorry the one that I normally listen to has completely slipped <laughs> my mind so uh, it's okay
1: we can add it in the notes for you, can, you can, um you can. for people who
0: are it's it's Russ Roberts it's um uh, econ talk econ, econ talk. talk nice uh, which is uh, a, a, a very interesting character, Russ Roberts, uh, professor of economics, and basically does an, an hour long, approximately show, with um, usually an author of an economics uh, a, a textbook, uh, and yeah, gets a bit gets a bit cerebral,
1: but uh, very interesting. Yeah, that sounds a little bit like uh, taking one's medicine, but (laughs) you're a patient man. Thank you very much, Slade, for your time. Um, I really do appreciate you sharing um, the way that your rather clever mind works with me and anyone else who cares to listen. Pleasure to be here. All the best. Thank you for being on Just Quietly.